Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, everybody? This is Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. I am with my guy, Matt Welty, full head of full new head. hair. Full head of new hair. <laughs> full head of new hair, looking like uh, Sopranos uh, extra. Doing good, living life. Either Sopranos or Uncut Gems, yeah. <laughs> and then another person from Brooklyn with a full head of hair, my man Brendan Dunn. He has a button up on, and he's feeling himself because two buttons are loosened or what? You know, I'm feeling formal, but I'm I'm relaxed because I'm with my dear and near friends this yeah. evening. You know, okay. Your uh, shirt was also a little unbuttoned for something that is coming out. Full size run season premiere. Welcome back with the perfect pair. Oh, okay. Perfect. Some might pair. call it a perfect premiere. Okay, okay. Alliteration is heavy today. I think it's a good episode. I hope you watched it. We're gonna be tuned in. We're gonna be tapped in. And I just got back from Jersey. I was shooting something. Felt good to be in front of that camera again. Can you tell us what you were shooting? Nope, it'll come out. Wait a minute. I, you went to Jersey to shoot something. If you did Matt Welty's closet and not mine, if you and Welty were hanging out and, and I wasn't, I'm going to be upset. It wasn't Matt Welty's closet, although it, it was tangentially related to the circle that he kind of plays in you know i got, I, could, I got the matt wealthy vibes from uh someone who is definitely like uh on quote unquote set they're very similar a lot of his crew is very similar i gotta piece this puzzle together yeah i don't know if the guy who i met today is directly in your crew wealthy he's not but he's uh is he like a jv member or is he trying to climb the ranks to the kebab crew kind of but i don't know if he told you but he is kind of like your personal sneaker concierge at stock x Oh, so he did say, hey, if you ever need anything, damn. And I was like, oh, I work with this guy. I didn't know that. We're speaking in codes right now. I'm so confused. This is the funny thing. So I guess that at StockX, like high profile clients, from what I've been told, like, or people who are buying like higher ticket items, Mm -hmm. they want to make sure that everything is okay. So they don't want, you know, Fat Joe to buy a pair of sneakers and the kid who's checking it is like, a, you know, a junior legit checker and he yeah. gets sent a fake pair of shoes. Does that happen to StockX? From what, yeah, from what I heard. I don't know. Anyways, so uh, a good friend of mine or a friend of mine, another Armenian guy. Wow, uh, he, good friend immediately <laughs> taken. Okay. Sorry. Good friend immediately redacted. Okay. I guess he is one of those people and he will like hit me up and be like, I just shipped like Joe will be like, Hey, I just bought these shoes. And he's like, I just shipped Joe LaPuma a pair of sneakers. And it's like literally the same. Like it's his job to legit check the shoes. He works with the VIP sales. Is that right? But Joe LaPuma is officially in the VIP circle. Wow. That's the, that's Humble. the, that's the more important tidbit of it. Right. And I actually did buy a pair of sneakers off StockX today. The Viotech trainer threes. Old pair or new pair? New pair, the 2020 version. And would they just release on sneakers or what? I don't know. All these release dates are up in the air right now. It seems like no release date is firm. Things get moved. Things get pushed back. I think the brands just aren't that into the idea of trying to heavily market sneakers given what's still happening with the Black Lives Matter protests and all of that. I feel like they feel now's not the time. So I think that's why all these sneaker release dates are shifting. It's definitely, I think, I mean, and I don't know, it feels like it's, not like a perfect storm, but almost like a like a double whammy. Like you have that, and then any sort of big like activations. Mm-hmm. Given that you can't release anything actually in store, it feels like mm-hmm. the brands have te- like the Dior Jordan ones were supposed to come out, you know, or maybe supposed to come out like sometime 
Allegedly. When? Yeah. Allegedly when? Be careful because the Dior people have already threatened me with legal action one time over that shoe. So don't get me in trouble. People were guessing that they may have released this summer. I can't imagine them releasing that shoe without some sort of physical presence, you know? Right, right. One other thing, I've been at my parents' house for a little. I'm now back in Brooklyn waiting for me real quick when I got home. Oh, snap. The Webby came. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the Webby came, and it's great to see, and I can't wait to be back in the office, and it's going to be on my desk. How was your time in Long Island? Really good. You know, it felt like growing up again. The nostalgia in the suburbs, let Mm. me tell you, it comes right back. Welty, how was your weekend? Uh, It was... I'm trying. I'm, tr- I'm. I'm literally. I'm literally trying. That bad? Oh, no! I went out for the first time. Oh That's what it God. was. Another pool hall or what? What phase uh, are you in? Yeah, seriously. What phase? I went to uh, my friends. It was like a Portuguese uh, clubhouse in Newark, and we were firing up the grill. You and know what? S- I, I saw the Instagram story, and I was kind of jealous. I have to admit. <laughs> sometimes I am highly skeptical about the type of activities you do out there in Jersey. I missed it. What was it? But it looked like a good time. My friends, like, they, they bring me to, like, a Portuguese, like, soccer clubhouse, and they had a big grill open, and they were cooking a pork belly and nice. uh, and um, sardines, but the big ones, not the okay. little ones, the ones you got to pick apart with your hands. It was a, it was a great time, um, yeah. had by all. How does it feel that. to be back recording, though, a new episode? How, how did it feel? You guys didn't take that much of a break, but it felt good today to be in front of a camera. It felt like forever, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I hope that the people haven't forgotten about us. There's a lot going on right now in the world that's more important than full-size run, but I hope that people haven't forgotten it. Good premiere. We're shooting another episode Friday, the day this comes out, with not to spoil it, but a guest that people have been asking for for a long time on the show. So it's good to finally, I'm sure as you know, Joe, to kind of check those people off yes. that like the fans have been asking for. Joe, do you know who Wealthy's talking about here? No. Can you give me a hint? Uh, someone who has a podcast. Okay. I know who it is. Someone who's in shape, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know who it is. How's my boy Trinidad? Trinidad's good. It was nice to see him, you know. I feel like we're used to starting a season up and hanging out with each other in the office for a few days, maybe getting a meal. We didn't have that pleasure this time, so we, we caught up briefly on Zoom beforehand. But, you know, I think Wealthy's been texting him. I've been texting him. I really wish we could all get together and, and just see each other and trade ideas. That first chirping chicken lunch is going to be glorious. The most savage thing that Trinidad told me was, if you guys remember, we had Tom Segura on Full Size Run. Mm-hmm. And Tom had skipped like a KD shoe that had like gold chains on it mm-hmm. or something like that. And then we were all like, no, he dripped it. He dripped it. And then Trinidad and all of us were like, no, that shoe's whack, bro. Like, why did you drip it? And he's like, I want to take it back. I want to take it back. I want to take it back. So Trinidad ended up sending two pairs each to Tom and his wife directly to his house of Love the it. sneaker. Beautiful. Love it. Tom did not tag me in it. What else is going on, guys? You know, went to another protest this past weekend. Nice. The big one, the Black Trans Lives Matter one. Okay. Brooklyn, I was very happy to be there. I felt kind of weird because I didn't have any white clothes on me, and the idea was everyone was to wear white. Okay. I was wearing all black, actually, and had, like, sunglasses on. I thought someone was going to accuse me of being a cop or something, but it was a beautiful moment. It was a good thing to be a part of. The turnout was amazing. It was very great to see that. Yeah, that's how I spent my weekend. That's um, watching The Wire and eating gourmet sabzi. So, you know. All right, so wait, are you rewatching The Wire or starting to watch The Wire? I'm watching The Wire for the third time. Okay, and zero on The Sopranos, though. Zero the on wire, The Sopranos. The Wire, Correct. third time, zero on The Sopranos. I love The Wire, but The Sopranos, man, done. I'm Yeah, I, I apologize. Speaking of The Sopranos, after this, going to have to watch the Joe Rogan with uh, Michael Imperioli and Steve. When uh, was Sharippa. that? It's today. Oh, so they just launched a podcast, Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa, Bobby Bacala. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> they just launched a podcast where it's kind of like they're rewatching Sopranos episodes and dissecting it. Yeah. Any chance they will invite some young Italian-Americans on to uh, Oh, I would guess, love. Maybe? I would love. And maybe Wealthy could pass now with his new hair. <laughs> okay? <laughs> she might be uh, able to. Joe, that, that would be – would you put that one in the trophy case next to uh, – If I'm on there? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's definitely the talk of Thanksgiving, though, right? Like, you go home and yes. you were on Michael Imperioli's podcast. Right next to the Sebastian Maniscalco sneaker shopping. <laughs> that right next to that Lawrence Taylor sneaker shopping. Yes, you put the Michael Imperioli podcast right in the rafters on Christmas Eve if that happens. Can Dave Matthews make that happen, do you think? You know who can make that happen, though? Premium Pete. Premium Pete. Premium Pete. Premium Pete. <laughs> Complex Sneakers podcast alum Premium Pete. That was it, Sopranos Con or whatever that yeah. he does. I was yeah. out of town, but I would have went to that. Amaya he, went. He's deep with all the Italian yes, guys. Yes, he man. is. When he did the podcast, he was calling people from Goodfellas, like on speaker <laughs> speakerphone <laughs> in my apartment. Right after. Yes. Hold on. Right. Hold on one sec. Yes. Talk about it, Joe. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a good segue. Joe just took his headphones off. He, he disappeared from the room. He's coming back. I know exactly what he's coming back with. I have to say, I'm extremely jealous. Joe, what do you have for us? Premium Pete was calling people from Mm -hmm. uh, actors in Goodfellas Mm -hmm. uh, when we were eating Queen and shouts to Queen because look what touchdown. Look. They dropped off the bomber jacket for you. What touchdown. Beautiful with the American flag, the Italian flag on there. With the JLP. Shouts to my guy. With the embroidery. I can't wait for a fall. A crisp evening. Yes. Yes. And I got the two Dickie shirts. Man. And the other thing is, they don't sell that stuff. Because you remember, I was talking to them about merch. I don't think they sell that merch. Shout out to top-notch Italian restaurant in Brooklyn, Queen. Yes. Please do go patronize them. What sneakers are you wearing with that jacket, Joe? May I make a suggestion? Yeah, let me see. Undefeated Air Max 97. Oh, heavy match it? Heavy match (laughs) the bomber with the Italian (laughs) flag? I'm just... I think I think Joe's wearing black cat fours with those with yeah. that jacket. I did a lace swap on the black cat fours, by the way. With the oh. white laces? Wh- white laces. Oh. I tried it. I tried it. I'm not mad at it. You had to do it to him? Yeah. Internet, don't be cruel when I post that picture of me and the, the white laces swap. Yeah. Done. I like the sneeze rebox. Do you like them? Yeah. No, shout out Bradley Carbone on those, right? Shout That's out his- Bradley Carbone. I love the sneeze rebox. I love that magazine. Mm-hmm. They did a good job on those. Those were cool. And I think uh, it's a charity release, right? Yes. And the marketing was really cool. The skating videos and things like that. I might have to buy a pair. No seating from Reebok. <sighs> it's hit or miss sometimes, you okay. know, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to reach out, especially on something like that, where it's a charity pair, where if I bought them, it would actually give some money. That makes sense. To a good cause. I stand corrected. Also get Josh Frompson to seed you a pair. So you get to. You know Fromson can do that. You know Josh Fromson, our VP of sales, can make that happen. Josh, I know you're listening. Yeah, he's definitely listening. You know what? I actually did reach out to somebody at Reebok oh. about the new full-size run season, and I said, I'm running a little low. What did you guys wear for the first episode? The Toy Story bait Instapumps. Wow. Okay. I just wore uh, New Balance Todd Snyder. Big things with New Balance lately, man. I yeah. really, really think so. Hell yeah. I wore Travis Dunks for my shoot today. First SBs. time? First time, yeah. Did you skate? Didn't skate, but it felt good. It felt good showing up to a shoot, man. I had the Yeezy slides on before, then I changed. You know, it just felt good, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to get back. One of the things I want to bring up, though, to give a little shout out, going around the Complex Network was our friends over at the Load Management Podcast. They yes. had the big episode with Lamar Jackson, but one of the things to talk about, too, is they had... What I thought was one of the best bit of banter is when they revealed that our friend Adam, Cap- Adam yes. Caporell has a beef with Kevin Connolly. Yes. And yes. he ran into him in Leonardo DiCaprio. At Uncle Paulie's, <laughs> another great Italian <laughs> establishment. Don't, don't act like you haven't listened. You haven't listened to the podcast. It got major I, I news. Apologize. Lamar Jackson, the Drake Curse, the Titans. We may have slept on them. Come on. Let's catch up, bro. Can we back up a little bit? He has beef with who? Kevin Connolly, E from Entourage, he oh, he like th- like he wouldn't elaborate on it, but kind of alluded to that there was a girl involved that both of them may or may not have had relations with, and maybe Kevin did something shady. I don't know the story. And he ran into them at Uncle Polly's Deli. Yes. Did you ever eat at Uncle Polly's? I've not eaten at the physical location. I think I had their stuff at Complex Con one time. So he okay. runs into him and Leonardo DiCaprio eating their breakfast sandwiches outside on yes. the tables. And in his mind, he wanted to go run up on Kevin Connolly. Oof. But he's like, Leo's standing right there. What am I going to do? Was Kevin Connolly going to treat him like they treated uh, Seth Green <laughs> in Vegas? <laughs> Remember that? Remember that episode? <laughs> Man. Adam Cap's oh. tough. Kevin Connolly's tough, too, though. Kevin Connolly is five foot five, so my money's on Adam on that one. 
Well, good catching up, guys, but now it's time to get to our guest. Our guest on today's podcast has become one of the most influential designers in footwear and apparel over the last five years. He was a member of Kanye West's Donda Collective, where he helped work on major Yeezy-focused projects that changed design in our space forever. Since then, his illustrious Fear of God clothing line is six seasons strong. He's collaborated with companies like Vans, PacSun, New Era, Converse, and has a built-from-scratch Nike basketball sneaker under his belt. He's also a former Complex cover star. With his latest sunglasses collabs with Barin Pereira recently released, we welcome Jerry Lorenzo to the Complex Sneakers podcast. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What an, an illustrious intro. <laughs> it's all true, though. It's all true. And you are six seasons deep. I know that seven hasn't released yet, right? Yeah, we're working on seventh right now. We're actually getting ready to shoot the, the lookbook next month. Okay. So designs and concepts and all that stuff are... Um, been done for a while. We all had a, a pause for mm -hmm. a little bit due to uh, COVID and what we're dealing with right now with the social injustice. Definitely. As a person of color, I've been dealing with this my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like for the first time, the, the entire world is kind of speaking on it. So I don't want to say it's business as usual, but mm -hmm. COVID hasn't affected us that much. Really? In the sense that we've never been on calendar. Okay. In the sense that we've never, you know, done a runaway show in Paris or, or anything like that. And we kind of moved to the beats of our own drum. So we're a little neutral to the fashion calendar. The last time that we released a, a collection would be two years ago. And this coming September was six collections. So, you know, we've been fighting to kind of slow down the fashion calendar and the way people consume goods even before COVID. You know, it's just a part of who we are, you know, wanting to put out honest product and fast forward to you know where we are now with again social injustice taking a front seat and now as a brand um, speaking to that and being at the forefront of bringing awareness there as well but these are things that aren't tough adjustments for us because you know we've always been a brand that where diversity and inclusion is a part of our dna you know and and being of color i don't have the luxury to not have compassion for other people and so we're able to kind of respond to the waves of the world in an honest way, because I feel like we've approached the world in an honest way seven or eight years ago when we started. Jerry, you mentioned your DNA. I want to talk about that and kind of your story, even well before the brand, just growing up as a kid. How did you first start paying attention to sneakers? I know your father was in the MLB. Was it something through that where you learned that sneakers or footwear was important? Or what were those first moments for you? Uh, not necessarily through my dad. I mean, I think it's like all of us, it's, you know, through high school, through junior high, you know, I, I graduated high school in 95. And so I, we all kind of consider our high school years our most impressionable. And so what a blessing to grow up in the, you know, late eighties and early nineties when what's influencing you may have been one of the most influential periods of modern history. Speaking of sneakers and being exposed to to sneakers for the first time is, you know, it's through Jordan. You know, I remember going to Mervyn's in Northern California before we moved to Florida. What is that, Mervyn's? Mervyn's? You don't know Mervyn's? Never it's like it. a, This is in Sacramento? Yeah, in Sacramento. Like a, it's like a TJ Maxx kind of a store. Okay, okay like a discount um, store? Yeah, I guess you could say that. But even back then, they had the Jordan 1s, and I remember walking in and seeing, like, you know, this black and red sneaker for the first time, and just those colors were just so crazy. And, you know, even though my dad was in baseball, you know, I grew up as pretty much a minor league kid, so we were check to check, and I, I couldn't afford Jordans growing up. So my mom would take me to, you know, Foot Locker and Athlete's Foot and just to go look at the sneakers, man, just to go pick them up and look, and that was a treat for me. You know, so a lot of my memories around sneakers was more of an aspiration, aspiring to one day be able to afford them versus kind of having them and wearing them. And mm -hmm. fast forward all the way to now, I'm pulling from the emotion of the aspiration of wanting to, to have something that I couldn't afford. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when you first got a pair? Like, I know it was aspirational for you for a while. Yeah, I think I might have been like a sophomore in high school. I think I might have been like a sophomore in high school. I think it was, or maybe a junior because it was a sixes. It was 90. 91? 91. So maybe as a freshman. Okay. Yeah. 91, 92. Yeah. 
And Jerry, you pull from inspiration of athletes a lot in your designs. And I remember on the sneaker shopping episode, of course, you bigged up Allen Iverson, who was very, very influential in kind of shaping how you look at things and and talk about just what he did for everyone. But you really always have propped him up when it comes to your designs. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Allen, I mean, it's more the spirit of what he represented. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like he he put the culture on his back. In the same way that Jordan put the game on his back, mm-hmm. Iverson put the culture on his back. And it was the way that he played the game, a small dude that wasn't supposed to do the things that he did, despite his stature, despite the way that the world saw him. And uh, I don't know if you remember, um, because of the way he dressed, uh, mm-hmm. uh, a, dress, a dress code was enforced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had writers and front office people saying that you know NBA players look like gangsters. Mm-hmm. My first response as a kid was all the gangsters that I've seen in movies wear suits, mm-hmm. you know, and so Alan just looked like one of us. And so right. are you are you calling us gangsters? You know, yeah, he just looked like, you know, some friends of mine. And so there were so many battles that he had to fight and the weight that he carried in order to remain who he was and still play at a high level. You know, I'll always have so much respect really for him just just in the way that he went about the game. It wasn't so much the aesthetic of his swag, but more the spirit of his swag that that I liked. I'm a little bit more mid-90s with my basketball swag. I like my shorts a little shorter. Okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. A little right right before Jordan went too long, you know. Yeah. But but it was the spirit of the way he carried himself and the way that he dressed that really informs like a lot of the things that we do, you know, with fear of God and trying to be honestly disruptive i don't feel like he was trying to disrupt the league i feel like he was trying to to say hey this is who we are allow us to be who we are you know and you see now the tunnel and what that's become and Mm -hmm. you know david stern and the league finally said hey let us just celebrate the individuals that you guys are versus trying to control the way that you guys present yourself for sure jerry you ended up with your fear of god one with nike during all-star weekend you had the pair that was you know kind of inspired by Allen Iverson with the ad campaigns and all that. It was one of the times too, where we really saw like a crossover of brands, not officially. Yeah. You say that, you know, you, you wanted to pay, you know, homage to someone who meant so much to you growing up, but what was that conversation like with Nike? Did they know that that was going to happen like in the marketing of the product or were they okay with it? Or do you kind of have to like, just do it and say, fuck it. To be as transparent as possible, you know, I shared some of the product shots. <laughs> they, you know, this was actually the first time that they were not on set. You know, they, they sent us a budget to handle the shoot, you know, coming up on the end of 2019 and coming into 2020 and still kind of in negotiations and what, you know, this long-term relationship with Nike might look like and still not having that in place. A lot of that campaign was me just saying, Hey, even though the shoe and has been proven to be successful and the all black sneaker, I think had close to like 300,000 hits on sneakers app the day that it dropped in the middle of COVID, mm-hmm. I still have to perform under question. Mm. I don't have the luxury of certainty. I don't have the luxury of a five-year deal in front of me. And so very similar to Alan and the questions that he faced in the arena about his ability even though I'm performing, I'm still living in question. Mm -hmm. And so who are you in the middle of question? And that was really what that story was about. And yeah, the toe tip, I've always loved the question too, that toe tip pop, and I've always tried to integrate that somewhere. And so taking that toe tip pop and um, celebrating Allen's time with Georgetown when when he played in the 11s and he played in Jordan's, and really telling this narrative around one day you're wearing your idol's shoes and then the next year you're you're crossing him up in your own shoes and you come to this like fork in the road and are you going to continue to try and be like Mike or at, at what time do you decide to challenge him and beat him and start to walk in your own destiny? And so for me, the campaign was really like me being at this crossroads and living in question and saying, I'm ready to be whatever God has called me to be, and I'm ready to, to go down that road versus continuing to chase you know, this childhood dream of mine. At some point, we have to drop the childhood dreams, and we have to walk into the men that we're called to be. And I thought that that moment around Alan 
was just super important, you know? And I think in a weird way, I was honoring Mike because by following your heroes or, the, or your idols that lead you to the man that you're supposed to be one day. And so without that guiding light, you never really become who you're supposed to be. That was loosely kind of the story around the whole Iverson bit. The story here is so deep around the shoe. I want to understand this. The Fear of God won the Question Colorway. You did a campaign inspired by Allen Iverson that looked like Allen Iverson's Reebok shoe to represent all at once your own journey, your future with Nike and, and this crossroads that you were. I wish people were able to hear these stories before they buy the shoe. I mean, people are still going to buy the shoes anyway, and I'm glad that they do. But like to hear this level of thinking that Jerry has going into not just the design of the shoe, but the presentation of the shoe, the imagery around the shoe. And Jerry, yeah. where does that story come from? Like, is it just in your brand DNA? Is it something that it clicks after a while? Or it's something that you've kind of trained yourself for these moments your whole life? I have been trying to, you know, maybe since I've been, you know, maybe sober, like mm -hmm. five, I'll be sober five years in November. But I've just been trying to be the same person every day, all day. Okay. And that, that means if, if I'm home, my phone is unlocked. That means if I have an interview with you guys, I don't prepare for it. I am who I am. Mm -hmm. And it allows me the freedom to live honestly. And so um, when I tell stories, I'm just being honest. And so if, if the story doesn't hit and if people don't take the time to, to read the descriptions when I'm laying out these images, I'm okay with taking the bullets because I know that where this is coming from. I knew Nike may feel some kind of way. I knew Reebok might feel some kind of way. You know, I reached out to Gary Land, uh, one of the greatest sports photographers of all time. And uh, his book of Allen is one of my favorites. And I said, hey, man, I, I want to recreate these images. And we were even talking about there's an image of like Kobe Bryant wearing like a, this Jordan jersey and warm up uh, walking into the tunnel and just doing this whole story around, you know, these guys that became icons in their own right you know, once looked up to Mike. And so we were going to kind of have a, some Kobe pieces in there too. And we ended up taking those out because he passed away. I, I felt that it was in poor taste. You know, I, I felt that it was, it was necessary for kids and people to understand that you're looking at a guy that, yeah, has been blessed to have the opportunity to create his own shoe and design his own shoe and the shoe performed well, whether you like it or not. You know, time is only going to tell that. It's a new idea. It takes time to digest. Even someone that looks as if things are all on the up and up, you know, I'm, I'm still living in question. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was really important to, to share that at that time and to celebrate Alan in that way and in a way that I, that I knew would be honest, in a way that I knew that if Nike or Reebok were upset, I could I'll live with that. I have to admit, I was upset. Previously, and this is a funny story. I bet you don't know this background, but around a, a shoe that you released. Not you, oh, I know Nike that. released a shoe. But <laughs> I know this the story. Is a, this is an in-joke between us. So, But this is a perfect full circle moment. Um, this is ComplexCon in Chicago, a place you have strong ties to, in Chicago last year. Yes. And we're on stage doing our show, Full Size Run, interviewing who else but Alan Iverson. Everyone in the room is eating it up. People are laughing. The, the energy was electric. It was a moment, Jerry. This is <laughs> the room was full, standing room only, Jerry. Jerry, this was their apex, maybe the height of my career, Jerry. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then Nike shock drops on the sneakers app, the latest Fear of God one, your shoe, the Jerry Lorenzo shoe in yellow. People run out of the room, Jerry. Sprint. People came into that room to see us uh. live on stage with Alan Iverson, and Nike shock drops your shoe. And totally deflates my moment, my peak, my apex. <laughs> I thought Alan was going to run out to get him. Hey, hey. This one would be honest, Jerry. I have to share that. Listen, moment. hey, yeah, you, you reap what you sow, right? Like, I had I, I had no idea that happened. And then what happened to me, like, during Chicago All-Star, you know? What happened? I go, I, I go to St. Alfred to do an in-store. Then I got Yeezy trucks pulling oh up. My God. Oh, my yeah. right. There was right. there was the picture online so, of like maybe some kid like traded his shoes for the Yeezys. Is that what like happened? Yeah, or? like 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 all that. So you know, I you know you reap what you sow. <laughs> I, I you know I, that wasn't my intention. I had no idea that was going on. I'm glad to know um, that. 
I mean, I, I, I apologize for that. <laughs> no need to I, apologize. I got paid back by that in less than a year. So You have all this sportswear history in your head. Was it daunting when you first set out to make your own shoe? Your first shoe was with just Fear of God in line, right, before you ever did a sneaker brand collaboration? Yep, yep. How hard was it to, to cross that threshold for the first time of, like, you've been storing up these ideas and these memories for so long, and then it's so bold to say, I'm going to bring this into the world, a shoe of my own. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If I look back at it, it's daunting. But mm -hmm. when I'm when when I'm going to Italy and I'm trying to design a shoe and create a shoe for the first time, you're so driven by this conviction that what you're proposing just doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the costs and the losses that you take financially and in, in, in the learning process and being self-taught on the job. How expensive um, is it to make a shoe in Italy? I mean, if you're efficient, it, it could be not necessarily that expensive you've never done it before it's it's when you know you're learning on the job and you're you know you're paying for molds for soles two and three times because you know it's not right mm -hmm. you know and and maybe i would have known not to get a mold already or, or this early in the process and all these small things and you know halfway through the shoe you realize the last is is wrong and the shape is wrong and you keep trying to figure out why is this toe box so funny and you know you're learning about you know last and shape on the job you know and so that's kind of for me what made it so expensive and what makes my process still pretty expensive is the fact that i don't sketch um is that i do everything kind of in 3d and so all of my samplings and everything you know i'm cutting up a reference and you know, pinning up stuff and, and trying to get samples from physical pieces, not necessarily a tech pack or a sketch. Mm -hmm. And so everything I do in the sense of creating things is a, is a very physical experience for me, touch and feel and trying on and shape and how does it drape and, you know, how's this, how's this shoe going to fit with my jeans and, you know, what does my toe box look like? Like all these things are super right. considered. And so you know, that was one of the things that I felt that we brought to Nike um, and what gave us the uh, validity to do our own shoe is because we had, you know, $1,200 shoes in the marketplace through our main line that were, you know, selling through that mm -hmm. were original, like original ideas. You know, I've, I've told the story, Joe, we've talked about this, yeah. you know, before, but just going to Nike and saying that the way that I can best serve you is not styling and coloring up some of your old silhouettes. It's like, bringing this shape that's been you know obsessed over in italy over the past two or three years and like trying to bring this shape through performance you know and and in developing a performance shoe also considering you know where else that shoe is going to live you know off the court at the same level that you're considering what it's going to do on the court and really just trying to challenge the approach of performance design you know and, and getting basketball sneakers to a place where they transcend off court in the same way they do or the same way they did back in the 90s talk a lot about shape and that being one of the most important you know elements of your design 
you hear sneakerheads complain about shape on sneakers all the time when a shoe gets retroed it's like the shape's off i don't want it do you like kind of uh, connect with them on that and understand like sneakerheads being super picky about the shape not being right on an air jordan sneaker uh, or is that like a, a thousand percent i mean yeah, I, don't wear, yeah. I, I, I don't wear any jordans with the jump man i was just gonna toe. say you told me that you don't wear jordans <laughs> with the jump man yeah yeah toe the toe is just not the same you know, it's not the same emotion. You know, there's so many nuance in a in a shape and a shoe and a design. You know, from the materials and the colors and all those kind of things that are easy to, to change. But you know, when you put it on and it's just a little off with your jeans, like I, I can't afford that. I can't afford that. You know, the expense of my outfit being off mm-hmm. at the cost of having a new shoe is just not worth it. I'd rather just wear something old that I know, like is going to like compliment, you know, my silhouette, you know, for us, you know, that's kind of, you know, why we're one of the most knocked off brands is because our focus is silhouette and it's not necessarily like logos and stuff. This is interesting because I feel like one of the departures from that is your work with Vans because that was a project where you went to existing silhouettes and you did put a lot of logos on it. Was that a different mission for you? How, how, yeah. how distinct is the Vans in, in your catalog of sneakers? Well, we did have to fight for the shape. I mean, because the shoe was going to be sold in Pac Sun, mm-hmm. and so never before had a Vault era been sh- sold that tier of um, Vans model. At, at, and so we had to fight to get the uh, Vault shape on that shoe. Thank God we won that fight. And then, you know, the reason that we did this all over print was to kind of speak back to like Fast Times at Ridgemont High and um, um, Spicoli and the all over checkered shoe that to me was really um, influential to me as a kid and having uh, essentials this more accessible line uh, it also provides us a place to be a little bit more expressive mm-hmm. and so even though we're not that expressive with our main line we we saw that as an opportunity to you know do this all over print that was very reminiscent of the all over check low era um, from the 80s and so yeah that's kind of why we switch directions a little bit there jerry but when you see like you know the vans that you did at pack sun and then they were like reselling for like over a thousand dollars does that like blow your mind is that something that like you're like yeah that that's cool or was it like validation on your work or not at all man i don't, I don't think that's validation at all i think that's you know there's a hype world that you know is driven by a lot of other factors that don't drive me from a creative standpoint you know i'm chasing a emotion you know i want someone to buy a shoe because they want to wear it and they understand the small nuances that go into it not because it's valued on stock x at x price i love the shoe i think it's cool but like it's just an all-over print on a vans era there was much more work that's gone into you know you look at what we did with the air raid and kind of modernizing that shape and uh modernizing that shoe and it just doesn't compare, you know, and, and a lot of the shoes that I feel like we put a lot of the most love into sometimes aren't in line with where the hype culture is. And, and I'm okay with that. One shoe that we were waiting on this summer, I think you said it was maybe the favorite out of all the sneakers you've designed, the Air Raid, the black and gray, and it was a nod to Tim Hardaway. What's up with that shoe? And did it get pushed back? And how much love of that arrow and Tim Hardaway went into that design? And how excited are you for that one to come out? I think it got pushed back a little bit because of COVID and some factory uh, issues, but I think we're slated. That's supposed to drop, I believe, sometime in September, which is going to drop with another Nike ready-to-wear collection that we've been working on around basketball. But yeah, I I thought it was amazing because uh, I loved the correlation between uh, Tinker Hatfield designing the Air Raid was his first off-court basketball design, having, you know, being blessed to come over to Nike and design something on court in the Air Raid, speaking to off-court. I just thought that was like a, a super dope story. But at the same time, Tim Hardaway was my guy back in 92, you know, run TMC, Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond, you know, I'll, I'll go in my son's room right now, and, you know, put on the all-time Warriors on NBA 2K, <laughs> just, my, 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 my whole team, we just, we just shoot threes, dude, the whole, oh, man. The whole team. Yeah, later in his career, Hardaway used to kill the Knicks, too. Can we talk about your relationship with Nike? Because it was interesting earlier this year, and I think you alluded to it before when we were talking about the all-star shoe that you released in in february 
people were speculating that your Nike contract was over or that there was going to be no more Jerry Lorenzo Nike work. This is stuff I kept hearing a couple months ago, not by any particularly strong sources, but people seem to think they weren't going to see more Nike and Fear of God work. Yeah, I mean, as mentioned, we have stuff coming out in September. So, I mean, we're, we're still working together. If I'm transparent, you know, the long-term deal that we spent, you know, a few years discussing is still yet to be kind of presented. And so, um, you know, I'm doing anything that any other business owner would do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not just a designer. You know, I, I, I've got 30 plus employees, you know, and I've got a vision for what we can do in this uh, active lifestyle and performance space. As much as I've, I've loved my time with Nike and, and the opportunities that they've given us, unless they see the future in the same way that we see the future, the cost doesn't necessarily make sense for us. We want to be on the basketball court. We want to be on the baseball diamond. We want to mm-hmm. be training, you know, we, we, you know, running shoes and we, we want to enter into spaces outside of lifestyle. We have enough lifestyle things that we do internally through essentials and through our main line. And even now through uh, what we're doing with uh, Irma Nagel Dozenia our relationship with a performance house needs to be rooted in performance. And I think that's the only honest and authentic way for us to partner with a performance house. Coming to a performance house and shining light on their icons isn't something that I'm really that's good at. That's not what you at. came to do. It's not the best use of what I feel like God has, has, has gifted me with. It would be a disservice to the company that was bringing me on it would be you know a disservice to the culture as well i think it was like four days ago on instagram you posted that you were wearing the new balance 327s um, oh yeah the women's <laughs> yeah uh i saw in the you know in the comments you're chatting it up with joe grondon who's you know in charge of the collaboration process at new balance i interviewed him last week and he said that new balance is bringing on a couple big global fashion brands in the future wouldn't allude to it is there anything going on with you and the brand no I, i'm just getting free kicks <laughs> <laughs> jerry is it crazy that every time you wear it's not crazy but every time you wear something like that speculation raises that you may be working with a brand i mean i guess i mean you know but I, i'm trying to get to a place of, of freedom where i'm i'm free to wear the things that i like and you know i don't want to be bound to wherever our performance home is and that's how I have to express myself. Again, you know, if we're in a long-term relationship with someone and there's, you know, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going both ways, and obviously we're going to honor that house and, you know, probably, you know, potentially promote some things that maybe aren't what we're loving at the time. You know, as I'm kind of, you know, in between a lot of conversations right now, I'm just enjoying kind of being able to wear what I like. Your first Nike shoe release, there was uh, December 2018, if I recall correctly, Uh, You had been talking to Nike for a few years before that. And I think what's really interesting is that it kind of landed in the Nike basketball space. How much did you feel like Nike really needed you to re-energize what they were doing with that product? Because I think Nike basketball had so much good stuff coming out around 2012. And then basketball sneakers in general, people were less interested. And to me, you were one of the key people who helped bring people back around to the idea of what a performance basketball shoe could look like. I don't want to sound narcissistic, but I... I, I felt that what I was bringing to the table was was missing. Mm-hmm. Not to say that what I was bringing to the table was their solution, mm-hmm. but I knew that what I was bringing to the table didn't exist. And I knew that I could come in, create a shoe from the ground up, again, that doesn't compromise on or off the court, getting points on the court, getting points in the club when you walk in, like, you know, a, a shoe that is as versatile as we like to say that our that our brand is fear of God. I mean, you know, everything that we even create within our main line is to kind of free our customers up and allow our customers to be sophisticated and yet feel effortless and yet feel comfortable and through proportion and through shape and silhouette, our customer feels like themselves, but still feels sophisticated and still speaks luxury. And so, you know, we tried to jam as much of, of that DNA as we could as possible and in, in, into that project and so everything that we do is positioning us to be measured over time you know i mean I, i've said it before of, of course everyone's gonna love an off-white jordan mm-hmm. you know we've had since 1986 to figure out how that shape fits with your jeans 
you know, like everyone knows how that shoe is going to work with what's in your wardrobe. And, you know, a new idea, like a fear of God one, you know, it takes some time to digest. It takes some education. I'm happy with the way the shoe is aging. I, I'm, I'm liking it more and more uh, as the older it gets. I'm finding myself wearing the, the original black ones that we put out with the white laces just running around town. And I still like it. How did, you know, you like you talk about Off-White, but it just feels like at this point that like Chicago or like what came out of Chicago is like the epicenter of what's going on with everything cool in sneakers. Now, you know, Chinatown market made that like Kanye family tree t-shirt, you know, where you're on it with, with everyone else. And you have Don, doing, Don doing like George Gervin in the front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, obviously Jordan, you know, came out of it, but you know, yourself, Virgil, Kanye, Don, Joe Fresh Goods, Ivan, like all you guys are the people who are moving what we want to call the sneaker culture. Like how, how did that happen? Oh man, you know, and, and you know, we, me and Joe have talked about this, you know, for me, I just have always kind of felt like the stepbrother within that group. They all kind of came up together in Chicago. I moved to Chicago in 98 when my dad took the managing job with the White Sox. And um, Don C was one of the first cats that I met. I used to work in diesel. I was selling jeans. He was like literally the only black dude coming in diesel. And I was like, man, you like, how do you know about this stuff? Yeah. I thought I was the only one on this. And so he and I, <laughs> he and I connected and, and we became friends. And um, I moved back or well, I moved to LA in like 03. And I think Don and, and those guys moved out here shortly after that. And we kind of reconnected around here in LA and I was throwing parties and whatnot. And then just kind of fast forward to 2012 when I started Fear of God and Virgil was starting Pirates at the same time. And he came by to visit and I showed him and Ivan my collection. And then he's like, dude, I just shot this, you know, my collection. He was showing me his Pyrex stuff on his phone and he took a bunch of the long t-shirts and ended up giving one to Ye. The rest is kind of history. I got a call from Ye like the next week asking me to come to Atlantic City and show my collection. And so I was kind of brought into that circle, having already started Fear of God and not necessarily as as a friend, but more so as like an employee to, to Kanye. And so that whole like three and a half, four years of that roller coaster was an amazing experience. But at the same time, I'm trying to figure out and learn what I'm doing with Fear of God. I'm trying to help him at the same time. I'm trying to figure out are are you and I friends or am I your employee? Like it's just it was tough, man. It was it was it was a whirlwind of time. But I you know I can speak to the epicenter that I, I guess you can say that it seems like a lot of creatives that are influential today have spent some time with you. And we've been in those same rooms and we're we're exposed to a um, a high level of work ethic that is very rare. He is a visionary in the sense that he sees talent in each of the individuals around him. But beyond that, you know, he's like a Phil Jackson in the sense that he pushes each of you to get the best out of, out of you. And so you spend three years with him and you're going to come out a much better version of yourself. And we've all been blessed to, uh, to be able to come out of the other side of that better versions of how we went in. In that time alongside him, were you seeing what he was doing with Adidas? I believe you were around when he was first designing his Easy Boost, right? You worked on shoes yeah. with him for Adidas. We worked on um, all the first two seasons. I came on. Um, my first responsibility was working on the APC collab. And from there, the Yeezus merch kind of ran lead on that. From there, everything to uh, development and design with uh, Adidas and Yeezy. It was a really, really good time. We were all focused on shifting the culture you know shifting the culture and like creating something new you know and creating this this uh breaking the old kind of paradigm of of nike and athletes running culture Mm -hmm. and taking the power to designers and other artists that have the same level of influence and impact but just through different platform and we were all driven to to prove that point we were driven to prove that point that a Kanye West shoe can be as influential and impactful as a Jordan shoe was. We were all on the same page with that, you know, every last one of us. And we put everything into that and every nuance of why, you know, the proof is in and uh, in, in where he's at right now with the brand. 
It's interesting, too. I had a conversation with Don C. a couple months ago just about the work guys like you and him have done to dismantle the traditional relationship between Nike and the people who make its shoes cool, you know, in terms of it's not just athletes getting their own shoes now. It's it's people like Jerry Lorenzo. It's people like Kanye West. And Don's hope in my conversation with him was that people like that would eventually go to the next level and enter the C-suites of these organizations. You know, people like yourselves are the next executives of these companies. Do you feel like that's the right trajectory just in terms of having a shift in what the sports industry looks like? I feel like it's so important, especially right now when people are talking about how many more black people need to be at the C-suite level, need to be execs in these companies that are profiting off this culture. Oh man, that's such a fully loaded question, man. You know, um, my plight or my fight is, you know, very similar to my dad's in the sense that, you know, he was a major league manager, uh, African-American major league manager, but, you know, was not a hall of fame baseball player. Mm-hmm. You know, his, his fight was for the average guy that could uh, excel at the highest level and, and manage in the big leagues. You know, prior to him, the only other big league managers were, you know, hall of fame players, you know, Dusty Baker, Don Baylor, Willie Randolph, and, and, and so on and so on, if you're in the sports. And so me in fashion, as a business owner, my fight is kind of kind of the same. You know, mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to fall back on. And nothing against any of my peers. I'm not an artist in the sense that I have music that people mm-hmm. like, or, or mm-hmm. I have other other things that people are into. You know, what people buy into for me is is who I am as a person and what they feel when they touch our clothing. And so that's where my focus is. As far as the graduation and what I feel like some of these companies need to do, I don't know that they need to do anything prior to changing their heart and intention first. I think companies get in trouble when they put policies in place that are against who they really are. Mm. You know, you can't you can't say, "Hey, all of a sudden we're about diversity and inclusion and your front office doesn't look like that." Mm-hmm. You can't put a policy in place hey, this, we're going to hire more people of color and we're now going to promote this when the culture of your organization has not been that. Now this policy that you're looking to inject into your company is anti-years of culture. So what I'm saying is take a step back and like change your heart. Get some empathy and compassion in how you look at other people. And first, just practice that. You know, just practice, you know, making sure that everyone in the room is heard. You know, a lot of a lot of our pain of people of color is, you know, just not being recognized. I'm not even getting into the part of the preconceived notions of of what they may think of me. A, a lot of times it's the pain is just by not being recognized or heard. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, the second part of that is what do you think of me before I even speak? And so as a fashion designer, all that I do from a design point of view is trying to even at the playing field. So when I walk in the room, hopefully my fashion will disarm you. Hopefully the way that I present myself will cause you to not look at me as like a swaggy dude, but just look at Mm. me as an individual. I just want to be looked at as an equal. And I think, you know, where we are today, we look at what's happening, you know, with police brutality and we look at what's happening and we're seeing the fruits of the hearts of people. You're seeing the most brutal things. But you don't see, you know, when I walk into a CVS, the clerk following me around. You, you're, you're not seeing the, the when I walk past a woman and she clenches her purse. Mm-hmm. And you don't see the small things that when you walk outside the house, the weight of the color of your skin and how the world reacts to you, it's so far beyond the, the brutality. And so that's why it's really just as simple as, hey, like, I matter. Mm -hmm. I matter too. I'm I'm human. You know, forget us ever getting on the same playing field. I know that's not going to happen. We're not going to erase 400 years. No reparations are going to do that. But just at least consider me, at least treat me the same way you treat other people that look like you. And I think that's what companies need to do. Companies are quick to put policies in place to say, hey, this is what we're about and then try and get the culture to shift to that versus being about that for a time and then coming out and saying, hey, this mm-hmm. is what we're going to do. We practice this and we, we believe in 
diversity and we believe in in the perspectives of people from all different walks of life and we believe that all those different perspectives are what makes us better and so we're going to practice that prior to publicly promoting that and so i'm happy to see you know what some of these companies are doing but at the same time myself and and others you know as influential as we may feel we also feel just as disposable Mm. that goes back to you know the whole iverson shoot living in question you know and so we we put out a shoe that you know the most expensive shoe that they've ever done with a collaborator that sold the most units and I'm, i'm still living in question the sad part is like that's just kind of what I'm used to. Mm. I'm, I'm this, I didn't expect anything else, you know? Uh, and so, um, yeah, man, it's a fully loaded question, dude. But I think if people look inside and say, hey, you know, how, how am I treating my neighbor? Mm-hmm. It's that easy to recognize someone that, you know, may feel like an outsider and say, hey, why don't you come sit with us? Sneakers for us podcast, the sneakers podcast is entertainment sometimes, but those words gets everyone to think on a different level than we're used to. And it's something that we have to think about not only right now, but on a go forward basis. And all of us have to do better. Related to this, the 2017 GQ Citizen of the Year cover, Colin Kaepernick, and you make him the one of one track jacket. And it's it's really kind of like this iconic image. It says Kaepernick sprawled across the back. How big of a moment for you was that, especially given what's happening with him and all the rightful praise he's getting right now? The first question, I mean, it was all Cap. I mean, Cap said, hey, I want to identify. These are like three or four black designers that I really like. I would love for them to uh, create pieces for me for this cover shoot. And so it was myself, uh, my buddy Wara Boswell, who's a, a tailor, suit designer, um, and a couple other designers. That type of a moment, the moment you know that we were able to you know raise a ton of money for Nipsey's kids. Mm-hmm. This past moment, being able to raise money for George Floyd's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know those type of moments really you know put the gas back in our tank and um, reassure us that we're you know in the right position and we've always had the right intention. And so when we activate around these certain things because it comes from an honest place it's received well and yeah we take some bullets here and there but i can take bullets i'm fine with that you know i've been wrapped about in songs and i know who i am i know i know my value i know what i bring to the table and you know getting back to a little bit about you know just giving people of color an opportunity either whether it's from a design point of view or for um, an executive uh, position, if that's where they see themselves and that's what they want to do. You know, as a designer, the way that I present myself is, I don't want to say is literally life and death, but it's like literally life and death. You know, like Tray- Trayvon Martin didn't have the freedom, the luxury to like not have his hood up. Mm. You know, I, I don't necessarily get to wear my hood up in a, in a dark area. You know what I mean? I don't get I don't get the luxury to present myself um, in the way that others do, and so the way that I present myself is so heavily considered. And so when you hire these people of color and these black designers, know that they're approaching these designs from this heavily considered place that says, "Hey, this kind of has to fit like this, or I I'm not going to be accepted into this room." this has to feel like this, or I can't go into these certain circles. It's so far beyond trends for us. You know, we're, we're creating clothing and designing shoes in a way that, like I said before, disarms people of their preconceived notions of us and all that love and all the the mechanisms that we use day to day and getting dressed in the way that we present ourselves to make sure that the world isn't afraid of who we are. You know, it's a lifetime of, of work that we're pouring into these products. You know, it's so deep, it's so layered, you know. And so I just hope that companies like, you know, they understand that. Why does the world love black culture? You know, and, and, the, and the quick answer is because it comes from so much pain. It comes from so much high consideration, you know, music and these expressions and the way we express ourselves are outlets and we're expressing ourselves for the most time with little to no resources or dollars behind our ideas. And so the idea has got to be that much better. 
And so I don't want to go too far down that line. I know right. we're talking about sneakers. No, but, but it's hard. It's, it's all 100%. It. And we appreciate it. Jerry, I mean, you talk a lot about like elevating things, but you know, at the beginning of the interview, you shared the moment of going into the sneaker store and, you know, seeing the aspirational product and as a kid, not being able to obtain it. And, you know, you said like, you know, you produce the highest price point ever Nike sneaker. Does that ever cross your mind like a little bit thinking that, you know, the kids that you might want to connect with may not be able to appreciate your work like you weren't able to as a kid? Or is that ever a thought? All the time, man. You know, and, it, and it's tough because, like I said, you know, not unlike some of my peers, all I have is my craft. I can't compromise these ideas. You know, once I compromise these ideas for price or, or compromise these ideas for materials, the cost of the compromise is too high. And mm. so I can't afford to do that. And not that I set out to price the shoe at 350 I wish it was more accessibly priced you know, based on what the shoe costs and everything that went into it and creating a, you know, a shoe from top to bottom, it's, you know, it's an expensive process. And again, you know, we've done all that we can through our lower tier essentials, which is growing and growing and actually inching closer to our main line. We're moving it away from what it was five years ago as fog, which was kind of a diffusion. And it felt a little dishonest to me doing what we can through this essentials program to create silhouettes and, and pieces that are of the season, uh, that are of the time, and that are priced at an accessible price point. You know, I've, I've got more family members that shop in the mall than, you know, shop in, well, Barney's isn't around anymore. But, you know, so yeah, I have a heart for creating product that's accessible, you know, and I, I think we've We've done the best that we've could in doing that through, you know, our Converse collaboration and through our Vans collaboration. We've always had products that were accessible and we're going to continue to work hard to, you know, elevate those products without compromising quality. Jerry, one thing you're so consistent on is that you can't afford to make any sacrifices in terms of who you are and what your brand is. And I feel like a big part of that is your personal faith, your relationship with God. Was that a tough thing to push through with respect to Nike? Because I feel like even for a brand that big to put out a collection, even on a name level with a label called Fear of God, was there any hesitation or is that a difficult thing that you have to present to them when you're dealing with big brands? You know what? I didn't I didn't get any pushback necessarily with the name until second collection. And I wanted to use like TD Jake's voiceover on, on one of the campaigns and, um, they said, hey, you know, we don't want to side with any particular, you know, he wasn't mentioning like Christianity or anything. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the only time that they really pushed back. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm honest, you know, it's not a Christian brand. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian human. Right. But the brand is the brand is just a brand, you know, and I think what it's doing and what the brand's purpose is, is to just encourage people to, you know, get in touch with their maker, get in touch with the manufacturer. You know, it's about a reverence and a respect for the higher power that, that has us here, encouraging people to do all that you can to become the best version of yourself. And for me, that's connecting with uh, the one that, that made me and put me here, you know, yeah. and shot me from eternity uh, into time. And knowing that I'm here for a limited time, I don't take that lightly. I know I have work to do. I know there's a lot that I have to do and I can't afford to compromise the work that I've been brought here to do. Jerry, anything coming up in the next few weeks that we may not have touched on or anything that we didn't talk about before we wrap? We just shot uh, Essentials last week and okay. I'm excited about that. A little rebranding and same point of view, but mm -hmm. you know, and got some new categories that we're entering into that space. And so that should be hitting in the next couple of weeks. And then seventh collection, finally, nice, probably with the end of July or like first week of August. Getting back into it. Yeah. We never stop, man. We yeah. never stop. Again, it's like, no matter what's happening with the world, whether you're a carpenter or whether you're a, a grocery store worker, or, you know, we all got to get back to work. Definitely. You know, and my role is just making sure that the things that we're making 
are, are rooted in honesty. And as long as that's the case, then we're going to keep making stuff, you know, and I, and I, I think that if we can make things that can inspire people and, and put a smile on people's faces and during these tough times, and that's what we're going to do. Definitely. Well, we can't thank you enough, Jerry, for lending your words and your perspective and great to catch up with you. Yeah. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jerry. Really appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jerry. This was great. Our producer is Shiva Bayet. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Dave Matthews and Jennifer Stewart. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is part of the Complex Podcast Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.